Welcome to Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian, where we mix financial advice with positive psychology to help you find the joy in staying on top of your finances. I'm Brian Ford, and I've dedicated my life to helping people achieve financial wellness. I'm here with my super smart co-host, Bright Dixon, who specializes in studying and teaching positive psychology. In this episode of Money and Mindset, we are gonna be talking to the youngins. We're talking about money moves to make in your 20s and 30s that can prepare you for future financial success. From setting up a financial confidence account to becoming a knowledgeable investor, Bright and I will share our top tips for reaching important money milestones. Bright, you ready to drop some serious money and mindset knowledge? I'm so ready, Brian. Let's do it. So, Brian, I know you've been interested in financial wellness since, like, you know, before you could talk. And I've got this image of you as, like, a guy who always makes the right decision. So I'm curious, have you ever made any money mistakes or am I right that that you're perfect at this? Oh, my goodness. I don't like to admit this, but you are right. I've loved finance since I can since before I can remember. But yeah, you know, I'll share one. I remember when I was newly married and I got this stock tip and I invested like a thousand dollars in the single stock without any other information other than this one tip. And I'll say that, look, a thousand dollars is a lot of money to me now. But back then it was a ton of money. And a few months later, this stock was worth something like $200 and I decided to cut my losses. And my gosh, I felt so stupid. One, because I knew better. But two, here I am, kind of this newly married guy, like wanting to impress my wife. Mm -hmm. And she knows I love finance. I've read like every book on the planet at this point. So it was embarrassing for sure. However, I will say that this 800 or so dollar loss has probably saved me thousands now just because I, I learned my mistake to do my research. Certainly, I need to understand the risks involved with different investments, the importance of diversification. And I just now I just don't invest in things I don't understand. So I would say it was a tough, tough loss at the time. But 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 I think now it's probably saved me quite a bit of money. But, you know, what about you, Bright? What do you wish you knew about money when you were younger? Mm, I mean, you know, anything and everything, because, you know, as we've talked about, I didn't really get a huge financial education, but yeah. this really kind of hit home, I guess, really early. So I graduated from graduate school, like right into the Great Recession, right? It was just happening. It mm. was that August 2008. And, you know, I worked some odd jobs and then I got a contract job, which was really a great job and really set me up in a lot of ways and was a relief because I had, an, you know, a steady and like livable income coming in. But what I didn't know was that I needed to withhold my own taxes. Like, I guess I assumed that they were doing that for me and I didn't you know, I didn't really know how to read a pay stub. Like I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And I kind of got into a little pickle with that come tax time and everything turned out fine. Like it was okay, but it was kind of scary and it was really embarrassing, right? Like it was like, I was embarrassed for myself and, and, you know, that happens when we make these mistakes, we get that, that sense of embarrassment. But I think what I learned from that experience, I mean, one, I learned that technical point of like, when you're a contract employee, you have to do it yourself, right? But I also learned that 
not only is it like okay to ask questions, because I definitely had this belief, I should know that I should know, right? Or I should have known, Hmm. but I need to ask questions, right? It's not that I'm allowed to, it's that like there's a need for me to do that. Yep. And that lesson has been really, really helpful for me since. I like that. Man, I tell you, if we could just ask more questions, not be Mm -hmm. so afraid. In fact, I did a post on LinkedIn and someone commented and talked about how she didn't understand something early on. I think it was about purchasing a car early on. And I was so glad she admitted that kind of publicly. I even commented on her post and said, hey, thank you for that. I I wish we would admit more often that we just don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. My goodness, finance is complicated. We've got to ask questions. Like you mentioned, I like how you put that. Not only can you or or should you, but you've got to. Mm -hmm. And something else comes to mind as you were just chatting is is this idea of not only asking questions, but, but seeking out trusted professionals. That's okay too, especially when you're young. Finding those trusted professionals is is probably a good session for another day, but finding a financial planner, asking an insurance agent, you know, those types of things, just don't be afraid to ask questions from good trusted professionals. Yeah, professionals are there for a reason. And I think too, you know, this idea of like, we all make mistakes and it's about learning, right? That's that growth mindset thing that we keep talking about. And that moving on from some kind of failure, right? You with that investment, me with my taxes, like learning from that is growth mindset in and of itself, right? Because we can't quit our finances. We've got to deal with this. But learning from that, that's growth mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that growth mindset, just knowing that we're a work in progress, especially when it comes to finances, we're going to make mistakes. We got to ask questions and it's about just keep learning. I mean, mastering money basics early in life definitely can help us avoid mistakes or at least lessen their impact. But in our next section, we're going to share some of those basics for when you're starting out. So hang tight. When you're in your 20s, especially your early 20s, This can be a very cool time in life, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a while, but I can still remember those days. Very cool time, but certainly a time of transitions. Maybe you've just graduated from college or moved into your first apartment without roommates. You know, it's it's a fun time. It's a time of transitions. But I'm going to borrow a page out of Spider-Man's book for just a minute. Kind of nerd out. (laughs) And I will make this statement. So with this newfound freedom and power comes great financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I think we've got to be real about those transitions and that they feel like transitions and the circumstances themselves can be challenging. I remember for me when I was in my early 20s, about the same time as that Great Recession, I wasn't necessarily making a lot of money. And I had, I mean, my costs were low, but those two came down sort of pretty close together. And so I was working a little bit on the margins and, you know, I just didn't have a lot of money one way or another. I mean, I was fine, but I didn't have a lot of money to spend. I didn't have a lot of money to save. I wasn't quite living paycheck to paycheck, but, you know, the margins can be a little thin. And I think we've got to kind of recognize how that feels and know that like those transitions plus like circumstantial limitations 
you know, everybody's kind of got their own situations going on. And that can be really tough mentally. Yeah. So, you know, our 20 somethings out there, like as you enter this really exciting time. And I think, you know, Brian, we have the benefit of being able to look back and be like, that was exciting. But what I I also remember is like I was anxious all the time. It's scary. Yeah. 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 It's scary. And I think you bring up a good point, right? Which is, I mean, when I think back to to my early 20s, I mean, you were nice. You talked about like the margins weren't quite there. Like I'll just I was broke. I didn't have any money. And I hear that sometimes now looking back from uh, younger folks saying, look, I don't know if I need to know this stuff because I don't have any money to, to, to know what to do with it. I don't have any money to save or to invest. And that sometimes is, is, is a normal feeling to have. So we'll just recognize mm-hmm. that. However, what I've seen is you will start to make more money. Those mm-hmm. margins will increase. And the more you learn now, And in fact, the more you learn and make mistakes with maybe small amounts of money, as your income increases, you'll just be that much more ready to take advantage of knowing what to do with that increased income. But I think it is good to uh, at least acknowledge that, hey, some of our listeners that are a little younger might be uh, a little tight and that's okay. Yeah. And I think the real big, I mean, to me, the goal, especially in your early 20s, isn't sort of necessarily money in the bank, but it's establishing those habits that are going to sustain you and nurture you no matter what your age and no matter how much you're making. Because our incomes can go up and down throughout our lives. Like that's not unusual. And so it's really about those habits that are going to keep you financially and mentally stable. Totally. And we know those two things are connected. You know, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the finances, the mental side of things. They are so closely connected. So with that being said, Brian, what steps should 20-somethings take now to start establishing those habits and get themselves on a solid financial footing? Oh, man, there are a few things that come to mind. We could talk about paying down student loans, which is a good topic, you know, building A good credit score, the importance of just learning to live within our means. These are all, you know, important subjects. And and I certainly I think we can chat about those in a future day. But as I prepared for this podcast and as I reflected back on having worked with really thousands of people who are on the right track, one of the biggest difference makers that propelled them forward is becoming rock star savers and I love kind of that term. I know it's nerdy, but becoming a rock star saver. It, it sounds so simple. A rock star saver. Yeah. That's interesting. That's what we're going for. It takes something that seems boring and makes it cool. I'm, you look, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. And it sounds simple, just becoming a great saver, but it can make a tremendous positive impact. You know, when I work with folks, I have a straightforward question for them. And so I'll ask you this question, Bright. Okay, great. Are you a good saver? That's it. What do you think? What do you what do you got for me? I am better now. Nice. I will say that. Right on. As a person who has a hard time with yes or no questions, I'm better now. Okay. But I wasn't in my early twenties at all. Yeah. And look, you're most of the time I hear something like, well, not really. And when I get that response, I let them know that the good news is they are totally like a normal human being. (laughs) And the other good news I share with them is this. I've seen hundreds of people go from not being a good saver at all to total rock star savers overnight by simply making the decision to save first 
and automatic. So what I love about this is it has very little to do with willpower. You know, I wish I wish I could do this for my physical health, by the way. I wish I could just like automate this stuff. My wife would be super pumped. <laughs> but even if saving does not come natural, if we save first and automatic, we will succeed. And I know we've talked about this in the past, Bright, but what are, what are your thoughts just kind of around this idea of first and automatic versus kind of this willpower or versus this idea that sometimes people have in their mind, like get up in the morning, look, look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, today, you know, I'm going to be a great saver and, and like psyching themselves into it. Nah, it, yeah, we know that's not how it works with great savers. But what are your thoughts just on kind of that idea? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's I think your comparison to sort of physical health is right on the money, so to speak. But I think, yeah, we're not naturally wired to save. Right. We're naturally wired to kind of think about today and even like tomorrow can seem far off when we're when I'm making that decision of like, ooh, do I buy this thing or do I put that money in a savings account? And it takes so much more effort to put it in the savings account, right? Versus just, you know, hitting that little click button. Yep. So tell me, tell me, Brian, what you mean by save first and save automatic. What break it down for me. Well, yeah. I mean, look, there's there's a few ways to do this if we want to get specific. One is you can do it at the employer level. So you can, you know, go in and talk with your HR folks and you can say, look, you know, if, if you get paid automatically and electronically, you know, into a checking account, you can say, look, I've got this one account here that you're already paying me in. But what if I set up a savings account? Can I have a certain amount automatically swept into the savings account when you pay me? And most employers will say, sure. And they'll just, you get it done. You provide them with that new savings account information. You tell them how much you need to do it. So you can do it at the employer level. If it doesn't work or your employer doesn't have that, you actually can just do it at the bank level. You can walk into your bank and say, look, I get paid on this day and this day. Can I have a certain amount of money just the next day shifted into my savings account? They'll say, wonderful. Is that it? And they'll say, you know, you'll say, yeah. And voila, you've got kind of this first and automatic idea. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the mechanics of it. But I also want to talk about, you know, where should we be saving first and automatic? And there's three main buckets that I want to chat about. First is what we call at Truist a financial confidence account. Second, major purchases. And then third is retirement. And, you know, we call it a financial confidence account rather than just emergency account, because when you get one of these accounts, it's fully funded. It's in the right place. A tremendous amount of confidence will come into your life, regardless of if an emergency happens to you or not. You'll derive immediate like psychological benefit from this account by having it which is pretty cool. So that's what we call a financial confidence account. If you don't have one of these, you want to start with maybe like a thousand bucks, just set that goal. Eventually you want to work towards three months living expenses, but I really didn't want to focus on that. And by the way, we're going to get into this retirement thing in our next section, but, but I want to focus on this major purchases stuff because you don't hear about it as often. Like if you pick up a book on personal finance, you're always going to hear about, you got to have an emergency account. And then we're going to talk about retirement and investing and so forth. But yeah. sometimes this, this major purchases account gets left out. So I want to touch on that just, just for a minute. Because if we want to be careful about consumer debt, we need to get good at setting up accounts for the major purchases in our life. So, I mean, like your next car, maybe a new washer and dryer, a cool vacation, mm-hmm. So here are a few tips, Bright, to think about when we're getting these major purchase accounts going. One is set up a separate account just for this major purchase. This is helpful because if you're if you're just saving like in your checking account, you've got all your money right there. Mm -hmm. One, you got to do math. Ugh, hate that. Hate that. 
I know. The worst. Seriously? Like, we're done with that. Yeah. We're in our 20s and 30s. Like, let's go. So so forget the math. And if you set up just a, a separate account, you're like, hey, I got 600 bucks in there. Like, I know that's for that major purchase. Mm-hmm. And because there's a slight separation from your everyday working capital, there's this slight delay in transferring the money. And this makes it just a bit harder to spend it unless it's for that thing yeah. that we're actually saving for. So it'll be linked to your, you know, your primary checking account. So you can transfer money back and forth, but just make sure it's separate. Number two, I love to nickname these accounts mm. like Hawaii 2023. Right. And, and this will help make a real connection to the account, which typically leads to saving more. And then most important, we talked about it, but save first and automatic right into this account. So again, when you get paid, the next day have a certain amount automatically transferred to this account. And, you know, as you get good at saving, that's where we start talking about rockstar saving. You know, you're going to end up with a few of these major purchase accounts and they'll change from time to time as you save for different goals. Mm-hmm. So, Bright, you know, we, we know that becoming a consistent saver, it can promote financial confidence, which can then positively affect other areas of our life. So as we think of the the money mindset connection mm-hmm. and sometimes the difficulty of making good financial decisions, what kinds of mental switches do we need to make? Yeah. Yeah, there are totally mental switches in there, right? But first, Brian, I want to say like this idea of the three different savings accounts, this is news to me, but it makes total sense to me. And, you know, <laughs> like it like that's it seems it seems so obvious, like I, I should have thought about it before. But like I like I think that's really, really smart. Because what you're doing is making it easier to save and harder to spend at the same time, which like net net over time is going to serve you really well. And I think that same that same kind of principle can be applied to your mindset here. Right. So like easier to save, harder to spend. And I think one of the ways to do that is by making saving more attractive to yourself. Right. So your idea of naming your accounts, right? Your major purchase account, like Hawaii or, you know, easier laundry or, you know, for me, like beautiful velvet sofa, right? Currently is what I'm looking at. Like, oh, I want to see your account called beautiful velvet sofa. You know, that that needs to happen. I've actually been naming my accounts for a while now. Yeah. Like, like when I got my first like grown up bank account, do you know what I named it? Grown up bank, bank account. account. <laughs> That's what it's still called. It's That's still called fantastic. grown up bank account. Yes. So yeah, but we can do those switches too. So the switch is really from this feeling of like, you know, I want this thing now, right? Whether it's this like nice shampoo or I want to go on this weekend with my friends or Did I Did you want... just say nice shampoo? Yeah, there are real huge differences in shampoo qualities. We can do a whole other episode on (laughs) shampoo quality, but my hair requires high quality shampoo, Brian. Okay. Um, It does. It does. I've got to keep the silken texture. But it's really about shifting from like this deprivation mindset to this nurturing mindset. So when you're Mm. doing things like naming your accounts, what you're really doing is nurturing that not only not only that thing, but like your relationship to that thing. So I think that I think shifting from 
deprivation to nurturing and support and like following that is really helpful. And I think another way to do this is to think about all of the things you already have, right? So one of the habits that I've gotten into because look, I love shopping. I do. I love it. I'm good at it. Like I'm a great shopper. I could do it professionally, but I don't because <laughs> I like this better. But like I'm I love to shop and I love that like gratification when I find like the right item. But I but I think it's about it's it's really about kind of shifting into what's really going to be right for me. And I can do that by looking back at what's really right for me. Right. So using the practice of gratitude, which is it's really simple. It's really just kind of looking around your life and saying, like, all right, what have I got? What am I grateful for? And gathering that around you almost psychologically. Right. So I have this gratitude journal that I've been working on for I don't know, like 15 years now I've kept a gratitude journal and I've gone on and off of it at times. But like I've been doing I've been having this practice for a long time and looking back, it really helps me make good decisions for myself because I'm more and more conscious of all of the things I already have. Hmm. So those are in my like in my consciousness already. And that actually helps me from making decisions that feel really like deprivation or impulse based to where I'm really nurturing myself more and more. So that's like a long term way of shifting that mindset from deprivation to nurturing. But, you know, there are ways to quicker ways to do it, too, like naming your accounts, that kind of thing. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've always known the power of gratitude just from a, mm-hmm. you know, just being healthy mentally, but I hadn't really thought about it from from like a financially beneficial standpoint. Meaning, like when you when you say deprivation, you are you talking about like, man, I really want to buy this thing, I can't buy this shampoo, yeah, because I gotta save because Brian told me I gotta save. Right. Is that kind of what you're talking about, like depriving yourself of that thing? Yeah, for like I'm not allowed saving. to have it. Yeah, like that, that kind of like, oh, I want it, but I can, and like, oh, like their forces, and like that kind of feeling. Yeah, that usually ends in me just being like, oh, buy it, click, 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 right? And when I'm slower. Yeah, it's interesting that you use gratitude for that. That's fascinating. Yeah, for for me, it's I I think of like my future self. And I think instead of like depriving me now, I'm like totally hooking up future Brian. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to want some cool stuff later. And, you know, it's funny. Very early on, I had someone that I really looked up to explain to me kind of the real meaning of sacrifice, because I kind of I use the word sacrifice as you kind of use the word deprivation. And Mm -hmm. I I always thought of sacrifice as like, oh, sacrifice, you know, and I remember in sports, like you got to put in the work if you want to win. And (laughs) and then I started thinking about that, like financially. And I'm like, oh, this is no fun. And and then someone was like, Brian, you know, the definition of sacrifice. And I'm like, "I, I don't know. It just sounds yucky. And they were like, it's giving up something good now. It has to be good or it won't it won't be a sacrifice, but it's giving Mm -hmm. up something good now for something better in the future. And I started to think about that and I started to think about my future self. And then I started kind of shifting my mindset around this idea. And then I started to like to save and it shifted for me that way. I just think it's fascinating that you kind of work at it from a gratitude standpoint. Like I've got all this cool stuff already. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like, do I really need that? Interesting. But I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, like the future me will thank me. And it reminds me of like, you know, when you're when you have a big night out and then you take that aspirin and drink that glass of water before you go to bed, 
And then in the morning, you're like, whew, thank you past me for taking that aspirin and drinking that glass of water, right? <laughs> like, it's kind of the same principle there. So so gratitude, it's it's interesting that gratitude can from, come from both of these directions and influence your actions in the in the present. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so we've covered some of the basics for when we're starting out, but what about when we're ready to start investing? Well, that's what we plan to cover next, so stay with us. So, Bright, if if your 20s are a time for building the basic foundations like saving, your 30s should be dedicated to building on those lessons to reach bigger goals like buying a home and investing even more for retirement. Yeah. So let's jump in, Brian. So as we think about investing for retirement, which I just have to say, like it seems so far off and I'm, you know, I'm in my late 30s and it seems far off. But so when you're in your 20s, early 30s, even further, but you've got to start soon, right? The sooner, the better. So what do we need to keep in mind there? Like, what do we need to know about retirement? Yeah. I mean, the first thing you just mentioned is right on the money, which is a lot of people start too late because they're like, that's so far away. Mm. But when we really understand the power of compound interest, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, you realize, man, the sooner you start, the better. But I want to actually talk about something first, because as we think about investing, as opposed to saving, a question comes to mind. Why do we even need to invest? Because we know when we invest, we expose our money to risk. Why not just save our way to retirement? Yeah. So let's look at this a little closer, Bright. I'll give you an example. Try and follow me here. Okay. We are going to do some math. I know we talked about that in all right, the all right. section and we're going against that. But okay, hang with me here. So if we save 10% of our income, which by the way, that's pretty good. So if we save 10% of our income every year for 30 years, how many years of income will we have saved? And the answer is surprising. It's only three years of income. Oh. Yeah. I mean, if we if we use that as an actual example, let's just say, let's say we're making good money. And this is just for sake of easy math. Yeah. We're making 100 grand a year. Okay. We save 10% of that, 10 grand. Yep. So we're saving 10 grand a year every year for 30 years. Yep. We're going to have 300,000, which is just three years of your income. And that's why it's difficult to just save our way to retirement. We need the power of compound interest on our side. Okay. So on the other hand, I'll give you another example. So that was kind of a saving example. If we invest $5,000 every year for 30 years, at 8% interest, how much would we have? Now, that's a tough one. I don't expect anyone to actually do that unless they've got kind of a <laughs> wicked sweet calculator that they snagged from their mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. you know, days. My TI-85. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Don't even say that. I got like, like shivers went down my spine. Yeah. We got $5,000 a year for 30 years, 8% interest. It would equal over six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, huge and difference. So the contract, yeah, huge difference. If we were to if we were to just save that amount, so five thousand every year for thirty years, we'd have one hundred and fifty grand. But because of the eight percent interest compounding, we get the additional four hundred and sixty one thousand dollars in interest. Mm-hmm. And this is why most of us invest for retirement. So there's there's a definite difference there. 
Yeah, huge difference. Yeah. And the earlier, it, it gets even crazier when, when you really start out early in your 20s and it goes over the next 30, 40 years versus starting in your 40s and 50s. It's tough to catch up. Compound interest really needs time to work. And Bright, we're, you and I talked about this. We plan to dedicate a future episode to just investing and yeah. choosing a financial planner. But for now, I'll just mention a few things to get started. First, if you have access to a 401k through your employer, please chat with your HR folks on how to get started, especially if there's a match. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love talking about matches and how that is just free money, basically. In fact, I am. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but let's just talk about 401k matches for just a minute. Yeah. I like talking, you know, when I teach investing, I always talk about how, look, if you can get 8% a year, you know, obviously you can't get that every year, but long term, you know, that's something to work towards. But to get that 8%, you've got to take risk. Your money has to be in mutual funds. It's It's got to be in the market. You're exposing it to some risk. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. But we kind of work hard for and take those risks for that 8%. But if you are working at a company, let's say that provides a dollar for dollar match, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm. You put in a dollar, they put in a dollar. What percent return on your money is that? It's a hundred percent return on your money. Right. And it's risk free. I mean, if tell you, Brian, if anyone tells you that they can give you a hundred percent return on your money risk free, you should turn around and like run They are selling something, they're lying to you, or you're watching cable television like at three in the morning, some stupid get rich quick infomercial. I mean, it doesn't exist except for in a 401k match. Even if your company matches like 50 cents on the dollar, that's still a 50% return on your money. Anyway, I'm going to get off the whole matching rant. I wasn't planning on doing that, but so that's where we want to start. If you have access to a 401k with a match, let's go talk to your HR folks and you can start going there. If you don't have access to a 401k, no sweat. Look into an IRA. That just stands for Individual Retirement Account. And the main thing I want to emphasize here is just the importance of learning about investing. We started this program talking about mistakes and one that I made about investing. Mm-hmm. We got to keep learning because knowledge plus saved money equals investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. So keep learning, ask good questions. And as you start out, you know, uh, you're not going to know everything, but you don't need to wait to start investing for retirement. Really compound interest really kicks in when there's more time. Mm-hmm. And I will say this too. It's kind of funny. When I teach classes about investing, I almost always have someone a little older come up to me afterwards and they'll say something to me like this. They'll say, Brian, you know, this was great you know, thanks for coming out today. I learned a lot about investing. And then they're usually like, but where were you 30 years ago? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I was like in seventh grade. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dumb joke. But I bring this up because again, we're talking to our young listeners today and I don't want that to be them. I don't want them to, to, you know, to be thinking a, a about this stuff when they are a little bit older. I want them to start going right now. But Bright, beyond investing for retirement, you know, when we're younger, I think this should be a time to invest in yourself. Yeah. So as you think about investing in yourself, what comes to your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's important to know that it's not just about investing money and that investing in yourself can actually open you up to new 
income opportunities, right? So it's really about like building up that snowball effect in multiple lanes of your life. So the other kind of investment that you should really consider in your 30s are investments in education, right? If you're feeling like it might be time to go get another degree in a different field or maybe even a first degree, or maybe you want to do some certification programs to kind of amp up your skill levels for employers, right? That kind of thing. Those are investments too, right? Because you're putting something in now that you're going to reap the benefit of in the future. And just like saving and investing, they take, you've got to figure it out, right? You've got to spend time and effort doing that. And likely is that you're going to have to spend some money too, right? So careers and education, all of that kind of stuff, like keep it up. And I think part of this too, like we started talking about learning, is that learning is kind of a muscle you've got to exercise, right? And some of us are kind of voracious learners and some of us are more hesitant learners and we all learn in different ways. But the idea here is that you keep that learning up. Maybe that's education. Maybe that's certifications. Maybe that's some other kind of thing out there that you're into that you're doing. Maybe, too, it's travel, right? That's another investment in yourself, like doing those things, getting those experiences that make you like a richer human being and on multiple fronts. Yeah, those are really, really important, too. And I think that you and I both consider them part of kind of this investment strategy. Yeah, I love that idea of investing in yourself from an education standpoint, from an experience standpoint, is very similar to actual investing. In the beginning, you're kind of like, is this worth it? And then all of a sudden, you start to see it paying dividends. And I want to say, Bright, that we know that it's never too early to start saving and investing. Yes, but I also want to say that it's never too late either. So, you know, if you are in your 40s or your 50s and you're just starting to manage your finances, I just want to say, like, good for you. Congrats on taking control. Start now and you'll be amazed at the progress you'll make over the next five to 10 years. And if you're listening to this podcast, we think you're already on the right track. Thanks for listening to this episode of Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian. If you liked this episode or any of our others, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice or send it to someone you care about. See y'all next time.